Hello, thanks for listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. This is Adam Rosen, your host. I'm a fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement. In these episodes, I'm going to share with you a lot of my tips and tricks and review classic articles and current implant designs. Thanks for tuning in and on with the show. Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen and you're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. So in the last episode, we talked about the hip and specifically how the gluteus can affect the knee and cause knee pain or knee problems. Um, in today's episode, I actually want to talk about the foot and specifically pes planus. So it's extremely important and I think, you know, especially as we become very super subspecialized, we can really lose track of the other important parts of the body that may affect our little sort of narrowed field if we have a subspecialty practice. Um, so when you examine somebody for knee pain and knee problems, um, it's very good to make sure that you can not only see the skin around the knee, we're always taught like look at the skin, inspect the skin, look at all those things, you know, but also have them taking off their shoes and socks. So when they stand up and walk and you watch their gait, you really get an assessment. And it only takes a split second to look at somebody um, and see that they have a severe pes planus. So why is that a problem and why is that an issue? Well, in the last episode, you know, we talked about how the gluteus medius can affect the leg and cause the femur to internally rotate, which can lead to some changes in the knee. And it can also have a similar effect on the foot in pes planus. So even people with mild pes planus may have significant pain. Um, and there's a lot of physical therapists that are really now directing a lot of care at the hip when people come in with foot pain to restore their kinematics. But if the foot is dropping significantly, they have a severe pes planus, and they're getting a lot of hind foot valgus and forefoot pronation, that can affect the tibia and the rotation, which then has secondary effects on the total knee. So I'm not saying that you need to have everyone's pes planus deformity surgically corrected prior to doing a total knee replacement, but you need to keep that in mind because if somebody has an asymptomatic mild pes planus, may not have any bearing whatsoever on your total knee if you do a primary total knee, cruciate retaining, cruciate substituting, posterior stabilized. But if somebody has a severe pes planus or somebody had a total knee years ago and now developed pes planus, that can have an effect on the total knee. Um, so when I'm looking at people preoperatively, so this is somebody with bad arthritis that for the most part, most of these patients that I see when they have a pes planus, they typically are also in valgus. Not always, but most of the time. The question is, what is the integrity of the MCL? And if the pes planus deformity is severe, you know, do I need to go above beyond a simple cruciate retaining or posterior stabilized design and put in a stabilized total knee? Or is their pes planus severe enough that the tibial rotation is off enough that you may want to have a rotating platform available if you have an issue getting the correct alignment and patellofemoral mechanics? So again, just things to think about. Um, but if I have somebody with severe pain, and they're already seeing a foot and ankle specialist, and they're talking about a reconstruction, and the decision is really left up to you as to, I saw my foot and ankle surgeon, and they're trying to figure out you know, whether or not I should do my foot first or my knee first. 
I always say, do the foot first, you know, because they're going to be limited weight bearing, protected weight bearing for a while, depending on, you know, what type of procedure they do, probably a triple. Um, and it's going to change their alignment and their kinematics. So I don't want to put the knee in, in the leg the way it is now, and then have a hind foot, foot reconstruction, fusion, triple, what have you, um, and now it's changed their foot position and their kinematics of their leg, and now that may have some negative outcome on the total knee. So my preference always is if somebody is on that fence of, I am going to have a procedure on both my foot and my knee, which one should I do first? My preference is always do the foot first, and then come back, and then we can do the total knee. Now, what about somebody who has a bad total knee, and the foot deformity is severe, but not terribly symptomatic, and they're not really interested in undergoing a big foot operation. Those are the people that I really talk to about bracing in an AFO um, and whether or not we can fit them for a brace preoperatively and treat them for a brace so it better attempts to restore or correct or prevent further deformity of the flat foot deformity and it's something that they then have. So after surgery and going forward, they have this protective device in their foot, which may help prevent further deterioration of the deformity in the foot, which also can have a negative effect on the total knee. Um, but those are also then the patients I'm trying to decide is, do I need a stabilized component? Do I want to be proactive at the time of the primary total knee and put in a stabilized implant in the fear or anticipation that it may fail down the road. Because the other flip side is the person that had a total knee 10 years ago, um, and over that 10 years, they've had a significant progression of their PES planus deformity, and that has changed their kinematics, and it has now led to loosening or laxity of the knee. You know, And then the question is, you know, do I have the option, depending on the implant, of just going in and converting to a stabilized poly, or does it require a femoral component exchange to do that, or a full exchange and stems? Um, so it is something that you don't want to kick yourself in two or three years because you had early failure of a knee um, simply because you failed to recognize that they had a pes planus deformity at the time of their initial presentation. Um, so again, can't fix the world. But we can always look out for things and educate our patients and potentially um, prevent some bad outcome down the road as opposed to just sticking our head in the sand and really focusing in on just the knee and forgetting about everything else. So when you examine your patients, shoes and socks off, standing up, examine not only the knee and the gait and the hip, but also the foot and the ankle. Do they have severe hind foot valgus? Do they have a pes planus deformity? How does that affect the rotation in their tibia? And what is the stability like in the knee? And then plan accordingly. You know, does this person need preoperative foot procedure? Does this person need preoperative bracing? Does this person need specific implants available at the time of surgery, such as a rotating platform or a stabilized insert, depending on the extent of their deformity? Um, so more food for thought. So keeping this in mind, um, there are some good papers. I'll, I'll put uh, one of the ones that um, uh, that I like uh, in the in the notes that you can pull that out of JBJS. It was back from, I'll pull up the date, but it was uh, sometime in the 2000s. Um, good one just talking about plano valgus foot and failure associated with total knees. Um, but just more things to look for and think about when you're in the clinic and when you're seeing patients preoperatively. So thanks again for listening. Um, 
with everything going on in the world, stay safe. Until next time, you've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. I'm Adam Rosen. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.